it wasn't just like one tape that got me the job. It was years of them seeing me in completely different capacities. And it was all of that work from years and years and years that kind of led me to a place where they were like, we can trust this person. Hi, I'm Cynthia Cortman-Westfall, a Broadway music director, conductor, voice coach, and tenured professor in the musical theater department at the University of Michigan. And I'm Chelsea Wilson, a performer turned voice teacher to Broadway stars and vocal coach on Broadway productions like The Phantom of the Opera, School of Rock, and more. Here on the Broadway Vocal Coach Podcast, you can expect real talk about the business, practical advice, and constant encouragement. We believe there's space for every artist in this industry. All you need is the right support. So consider us your two-woman hype team. Welcome to the Broadway Vocal Coach Podcast, where we help musical theater performers get unstuck and take the next step in their careers. Before we dive into today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the Broadway Vocal Coach Podcast for more amazing interviews like the one you'll hear today. Go ahead, click it. And while you're at it, would you leave us a review? I mean, we're theater people. We cherish your reviews. Plus, it helps more folks find our show, which we greatly appreciate. Now, on to the show. When we recorded this episode, Delphi was in rehearsals for her new gig, which is now in full swing. So let me introduce you to today's incredible special guest. Delphi Boric is currently performing in Camelot on Broadway as the understudy for Guinevere. She recently made her Broadway debut in the revival of Into the Woods as a super swing, understudying six roles. She made history as the first Asian-American actor to play Little Red Riding Hood on Broadway. Regional credits include Twelfth Night at the Dallas Theater Center, Beauty and the Beast at Tuts, Our Town at Arrow Rock Lyceum Theater, and more. Plus, I'm thrilled to announce that Delphi will be joining us again this summer as one of our BBC Aspire coaches inside our college prep program. Now, let's dive into the interview. Delphi, we are so happy to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled. Oh, we are so thrilled to have you with us. Cynthia and I, we met you last summer, 2022, because you came highly, highly recommended as a monologue coach and repertoire expert. And so you were part of our BBC Aspire college prep program last summer. And within a couple weeks of us working together within the college prep program, you booked Broadway. You booked your first Broadway show and have just been on a wild ride ever since then. So we want to dig into all of that. I feel like I know just a tiny bit and I am dying to know more about the audition process for Into the Woods, because the little bit I know, I feel like you had a really interesting and unusual process of booking your first Broadway show. Very unusual. Yeah. Could you tell us a little about that? Yeah, I I had had a few big like Broadway auditions, but not anything not anything where I had been in for multiple, multiple rounds. Like there were a few that had a good amount of rounds, but so my idea of it was, you know, it's going to be, if I, if I'm ever going to get to be on Broadway, it's going to be a very long process of many rounds of auditions. And this one was not like that at all. They were transferring from city center into the woods and moving to Broadway. And so they had a relatively fast turnaround because my understanding is that it all came together really quickly. And so they needed to build an understudy team very fast. And so the audition for it was to send in 
two or three songs that would fit the show. They gave me an idea of what my tracking would be, which was just a little bit different from what it ended up being, but not by too much. And then they said, you can send, you know, videos from concerts that you've done or past auditions you've done. No need to like re-record anything, just do what you have. And naturally, me being me, decided that wasn't good enough. And so I re-recorded <laughs> everything and just kind of spent two hours one day just trying different songs, seeing what would fit best. And I ended up sending three songs. It was due on a Tuesday morning, so I sent it in on a Monday night. On Wednesday, my agents called and said, just to let you know you're very much in the mix for this, I just want to give you a heads up in case, you know, they start rehearsals Monday if you if you need to start thinking about what you're going to do. So wait, you sent it on a Monday. I sent it on a Monday. Agents called on Wednesday and said, get ready. Rehearsals might start in four days. Correct. And Thursday, I was at my survival job that I had just had a meeting that morning where they were saying to me that they wanted to offer me a full-time position at a tech startup. And so I was like, okay, this is like what my life is going to be. But I had this pit in my stomach all day because I was just waiting to hear either way from my agents. And I called them at five and said, hey, I know that, you know, I haven't heard from you all day. You told me I was going to find out today. So I guess it's, you know, I just want to check in and let's just be done with this, right? Just checking in. And he was like, I actually like haven't really heard yet. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to just let this go because I'm driving myself crazy all day. And then at 5, like 15, my agent called and was like, I lied to you earlier. I already knew that you had booked it, but we were waiting for an offer. So you booked it. And uh, so I'm out. <laughs> wait, well, I was didn't know that when you called at oh, 5? They knew. God. Yeah, they knew. Yeah, but he didn't want to, he didn't want to, you know, all of these things. Until you get the, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So he, he actually in those 10 minutes or so in between had called Telsey who cast into the woods and just was like, Hey, is it okay if I tell her, I know you guys haven't sent the offer yet, but is it official enough that I can let her know? And they were like, absolutely. Please tell her. So I started sobbing in my soundproof that cubicle that I had excused myself wild. to at this survival job. And I walked out and asked my manager if I could talk to him. And he said, sure, what's up? And I said, I have to quit. <laughs> so. <laughs> so is that true that you never went in in person? It was all tapes. It was one tape. It was one one. Tape. One tape. Yeah. And so I that really kind of shifted my perspective in some ways because I had a conversation with Jeff Jocelyn at Telsey after the fact, like way after the fact, and you know, thanked him for taking kind of a leap of faith on me. And he said something like, Well, it wasn't a leap of faith. And that sort of made me realize like when an opportunity like this does come, it's like, oh, we've seen her audition for a dozen things. It's always been solid work. It's always been great. We know what she can do. So it's not a leap of faith that yeah, I think sometimes yeah. like building this body of work, people think it has to be coming from paid jobs, but you can actually be like building that reputation just through solid auditions, getting yourself yeah. out there on a regular basis. It had been auditions for like, you know, just so many different types of projects. And yeah. I never would have guessed that all of those auditions would lead me to a job where I was understudying so many different types of characters. 
Right. And them having seen me do different types of characters all along was, you know, ultimately what, what helped me get the job. So that, that's kind of the crazy, <laughs> that's the craziest thing to me is someone who I'm, I'm a big believer in like, yes, there are like archetypes in musical theater, but I've never wanted to just place myself in one of them. Cause I think that people, actors are so distinct in who they are. And this was the perfect example of, yeah, I ended up playing different, like a variety of archetypes, not just one. It was crazy. It was wild. That is incredible. And so can you tell us what are all the roles that you understudied? I understudied Little Red Riding Hood, which was my main, I think my my main one. I think I went on for the most. Both stepsisters, Milky White. So some puppetry work in there. Rapunzel. These really are so different. They are all so yeah, different. Very different. <laughs> and then in the last two weeks, our understudy for Cinderella ended up moving up into the role just for the last two weeks of the run and is now on the tour as well. And so I volunteered to understudy Cinderella and they asked me if I could do a put-in in less than a week when they were wow. doing a put-in for our new witch at the time. And I said yes for some reason. <laughs> so basically <laughs> like four days later after it was official that I was going to be covering her, I did a full put-in for Cinderella. Oh my goodness. That's really incredible. Unbelievable. While we're talking about understudies, you created an Instagram account because it really kind of took off and became a thing. Yeah, that ended up being such a blessing and and I think was really impactful in a way that we didn't realize it would be when we started it. And that's the understudies of the woods Instagram account. Understudies of the woods. Correct. Yeah. You know, we ended up posting about when we were on, which was a great tool for fans and audience members to have to be able mm -hmm. to look at. But what I found was it ended up becoming such a celebration of us and what we were doing there and the importance of understudies and swings and standbys and such. And we were surprised that other companies didn't have them. And you know, later finding out certain companies won't allow their understudies to post when they're going on. And it seems so strange to me. Like, I, I understand it from a producer perspective, but it's also really sort of disrespectful in a way, you know, to not celebrate these people who save your show time and time again. So the account ended up becoming so much more than just posting mm -hmm. when we're on or, you know, trying to put our faces out into the world. From a production standpoint, I am not a Broadway producer. I've never produced anything other than this podcast you're listening to right now. But yeah. having having an audience's understanding and excitement about the people you're going to see in the show that day feels only like a boon to the production. You know, it's only an asset, in my opinion, to have the greater audience pumped that Delphi Borch is going to be on for Little Red today. Wow, everyone's just going to be excited that, that you're doing that. So I agree. I wonder if that will change over the next few years. I know we've seen a big change in the culture of how we talk about and appreciate swings and understudies, but is it talk or is it really, is there action behind it? And I, I'll be curious to see how that continues to roll out and play out in professional theater over the next many years. What do you think about that? Yeah, time will tell for sure. My hope is that it will be more celebrated. And I think you're absolutely right. What we didn't anticipate that we found with these understudy accounts is like we got, we had fans. We had fans who knew us specifically 
And when we were on, they would start talking about it as sort of like, you know, collecting baseball cards Mm -hmm. type of thing. Like, oh, I've seen this person do these three roles, but I really like want to wait to come back until they're on for the next two. And that response and that sort of mindset shift is what I want the whole industry to have. Yes, you have your stars in any given production that people are coming to see. I completely understand that. But if you start treating your understudies like stars as well, you know, there won't be any disappointment if those, you know, names aren't on. I think it is getting better. We'll just have to see if it's consistent or, you know, how producers, we were very lucky that our producers were very supportive of us doing that. And we didn't even, we didn't really ask permission to start the account. We just kind of <laughs> did it. But, you know, they were very supportive of us doing a photo shoot and a feature in Playbill and they helped with financial costs for that. And the Into the Woods social media account proper was very good about uplifting us and wanting to be there to support. And so it was great. Yeah. So I, my hope is that it will be like that in the future and those long running shows that don't allow people to post when they're going on. I would hope that they will change that. But that's sort of the more commercial part of theater is that there are some corporate feeling shows that are out there now that that just have rules against it, which I don't mm-hmm. understand. So Delphi, back us up before Into the Woods, before this this Broadway debut. Tell us about young Delphi studying musical theater. What was your journey to New York in the first place? And a little bit about your survival jobs and whatnot in between there. Yeah. Well, I knew I wanted to do musical theater from a very young age. I think I didn't have a lot of information on how to do it. And it wasn't until my junior year of high school when I did the University of Michigan Impulse program where Cynthia taught, where I actually met Cynthia for the first time as a high schooler, that I started to really understand what the path was just by speaking to my fellow students who had all the information and for some reason knew a lot. And I was like, how do these kids know this much? But it was such an eye-opening experience and especially getting a taste of what college would be like too was really wonderful and a completely life-changing experience. And so from there, I knew what schools to apply for. I knew how to go in prepared and ended up getting accepted into Syracuse. And the thing about Syracuse was that I was very unsure for a very long time of whether or not I would end up working professionally in musical theater or if it would be straight theater for a variety of reasons. And I just didn't quite know what I was going to get hired for. And so it was important for me to go into a school that was very strong in their acting program, which Syracuse was. And so I went there. I really wanted to be well-rounded. And so I studied abroad and did a program at Shakespeare's Globe fall of my junior year. Syracuse was very helpful because I feel like I got everything out of it that I could have. And then I also had a few, you know, realizations of what the old school mentality was with being a person of color and how I might be perceived once I got into the industry and sort of preparing myself for that, but also not allowing that to define what I was going to try to do. We actually had a program where we would move to the city a semester early 
So January of 2016, when I graduated, was the start of Tepper semester, where you move to the city and you take classes with Daisy Prince, and they bring in all of these amazing, you know, different people and to do master classes. And so it was wonderful because we moved to the city with a safety net is how I like to think of it. We moved to the city and we didn't have any concerns other than just learning about the city, but then also still studying musical theater. And it was a great transition period. So then a lot of people were auditioning at the time and I decided to audition for the National Tour of Cinderella and ended up booking that as an understudy. I just moved to the city and then I was gone for 10 months, <laughs> which was weird. So when I got back to the city, I felt like I was behind because yes, I had just done this great job, but I also saw my classmates figure out the whole survival job thing already. And I felt like I had no idea where to start. I wanted to still audition, but I needed to be able to pay rent and all of this stuff. So that's when the survival job search started happening. And in regards to that question, just so many different jobs, so many different types of jobs. <laughs> we all laugh and smile because we've all been there ourselves. <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it, it really does take some time to figure it out. You, you want really something does. that's going to be flexible enough to let you audition, but you want something that pays you enough to be able to be here in the first place. So, I mean, and that process took years. It took years of starting a job, getting in three months in and just being like, this doesn't work for me. This just doesn't give me what I need. And a lot of trial and error, but one of my most consistent ones was working at the drama bookshop. And that was a wonderful experience because it gave me a lot of knowledge. It gave me a chance to read plays and know what was going on in theater for my job because it only helped me make monologue recommendations. And yeah, the long lasting effects of that, like working with you guys at BBC is still amazing to me that something that started as a survival job has really lasted me a very long time in terms of what I can still do to this day. It's heartbreaking for us to see so many students and parents right where you are that know what they want but are struggling because they don't have a plan to get there. Looking to apply to college musical theater programs? If you're frustrated by the process already, here's the solution you've been waiting for. Since Cynthia and I had never seen a program that took a personalized and all-encompassing approach to all of the needs of college prep, we decided to create it ourselves. What we do at BBC Aspire, our four-month college prep program, is work with folks just like you to build a personalized roadmap to achieve your goals with all of the training and resources you need in one place. BBC Aspire is our four-month college audition prep program for rising high school seniors or gap year folks. If that's you or your child, then this is where you need to be. And here's why it works. Aspire includes everything you need to successfully apply to college programs within a fixed yet flexible four-month time period, June through September. It's a fixed price, so there's no surprise costs, and you get your applications in at the start of senior year, saving you months of stress and opening up time for all the other stuff you want and need to do, like your school show or a part-time job. Registration is open now and doors close on May 15th. We have limited spots available for our 2023 program, and we're already at 50% capacity. So now is the time to act. Sign up for BBC Aspire and get the edge you need to succeed in the highly competitive world of musical theater. 
Ready to get stressing over college audition prep off your plate? Schedule a free consult with us. Email hello at buavocalcoach.com or check the link in our show notes to book a call. Talk to you soon. Delphi, one of the things I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on, and I know our listeners will be as well, is as an Asian American actor in this business, you've had the opportunity to really be a first or one of the first in a number of the things that you've done. Specifically, I know that you were the first Little Red Asian American, which I'm curious how that feels. Does that feel exciting? Does it feel... Like, why has it taken so long? Does it feel like all of the things? Definitely why has it taken so long? That is definitely always in the mix. But also, I mean, selfishly, personally, there's a lot of pride and there's a lot of, you know, entering the business as an actor, you always hope that, I mean, I think everyone, everyone in any field hopes that someday they're going to make an impact in the world in some way, something permanent that you can put your stamp on. And that for me is it, having been the first Asian American actor to play Little Red on Broadway specifically, because I know that there have been many who have done it regionally or... Yes, thank you for for specifying. We're talking on Broadway. Yeah, On Broadway, yeah. It's, It's a really special thing. It means a lot to know that that's something, you know, we never know what's gonna happen in the future. I might, after this show, never work again. I have no idea, right? But that's something that can never be taken away from me. And that is something incredibly special. And to have had that event for my onstage Broadway debut was something that, I mean, I'm never going to forget that for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. And and also just in terms of the representation of it, Cinderella, I'm not entirely sure if I, I think I was probably the first in that particular production and the tours of that production to have done it. But especially having been a tour, going to different parts of America where young Asian American women might have never seen someone like them on stage in that capacity. That means the world to me. That Mm -hmm. just makes it all worth it. Did you get emails or DMs or some fan mail at the stage door? Could you, could you feel the impact that you were having? Because I know you were having a major impact, especially for those who maybe haven't seen themselves represented on stage in that way. Definitely starting on tour, there were people who would follow along and, and, let me know that I was making a difference for them and their lives. And that was very meaningful. And a majority of people who still follow along with my stuff today, a lot of them came in when I was playing Belle at Theater Under the Stars in Houston. A lot of people who saw the show there who still follow me now and bring that up every once in a while that they saw me then and are happy with where I'm at now. And yeah, the support really makes it worth it. It makes it all feel wonderful and special and more than just me, you know, going on a stage every night. It There's a weight to it. I'm curious about, you've worked regionally, you've worked on Broadway. In all these aspects of your professional theater career, we from the outside see the shiny moments and the shiny moments are really special and glittery and amazing and making the Broadway debut, being on the red carpet, getting the photo shoot, all of that. What <laughs> of the reality of being a working actor was maybe surprising or maybe 
took you off guard of, oh, this is the reality. This is the challenge. What's it like when it's not the shiny, you know, for Instagram moments as a professional actor? What have you found? I think what I wasn't prepared for was the the schedule. It's a really, really hard schedule. And also, when you're in the show proper every night and you're not an understudy, you have your whole day, you show up for the show, you do the show, you go home. And that's not to minimize the lack of time that those people have, those actors have as well. But when you're an understudy, you also have understudy rehearsals, you have the added pressure of always needing to be prepared. And so for, you know, different people, that means different things. Sometimes you have to do extra work at home. If you feel like you need it, you have to be prepared in ways that you might not have to be for what is going to happen in the show that night. If you're not on stage every night, you don't really know if you have to warm up or not. So that just things like that. But the schedule is really tough. And I found myself coming out of the pandemic, I was so solid in my friends that I would see all the time and, you know, spending time with my partner and and things like that, that immediately gets cut down because your friends might be working a regular nine to five and you aren't. You're working very weird hours for the rest of the world. And so that time got cut. And I think the balance of my life was thrown off a lot. I felt in a lot of ways like I couldn't keep up. Like I couldn't keep up socially with my best friends. And then therefore that means that I'm less happy sometimes because I'm not getting that outlet, that social outlet. Or, you know, I can't spend as much time with my partner. Or when I do, we're both exhausted at the end of our days. And that's a different sort of pressure. And the scheduling is hard. And so that's something that I'm trying to be better about now. I'm trying to keep an eye on the balance of everything in my life and not just living to work. I love that you're talking about the balance and trying to find more balance because you've shifted now from one Broadway show and directly into another. Can you talk a little about the show you're doing now? Yeah. And, and what are some of the things you're trying to do second time around to try to keep a little more of that balance? Yeah, definitely. So I'm doing Camelot <laughs> at Lincoln Center, which I'm very excited about. And unlike Into the Woods, I am in the ensemble. So I'm in the show every night and I'm also understudying Guinevere. So we've gone from six roles to one role. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> that I'm understudying. That being said, it's a very hard role. <laughs> it's a big role. So, so work wise, like I can't decide for myself which one was more work, but there, mm -hmm. yeah, she's a beast of a role. And mm -hmm. it's also a new book by Aaron Sorkin. So not only is it a musical where she's singing a million songs, she's also doing heavy, heavy Aaron Sorkin scenes. Yeah. Can't wait. So a huge challenge. <laughs> Fast dialogue, lots of words. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, and then gorgeous costumes. So costume changes mm -hmm. are going to be a whole other thing. I have a lot swirling around in my brain right now. But yeah, that's what I'm doing now. And in terms of balance, I think because our rehearsal process has been much, much, much longer than Into the Woods was. Into the Woods was about two and a half weeks total for me, for the new people who were coming in. And this is when all is said and done, I think probably two months of rehearsal, including previews. And so 
I have a little bit more time to set my habits, make sure everything is in check. Having my evenings free has been amazing just because I feel like I have time to just check in with people that I haven't been able to check in with for a while. And that being said, it's still a bit of a learning curve because I haven't been in the show and understudying the lead since Cinderella. That was the last time I did that. And there's something about being a offstage understudy that's so much easier because you can just watch everything and mm -hmm. take your notes down and catch all the details. And I don't like not having the details because <laughs> I'm very detail-oriented with understudying. And it's certainly a shift, but it also in a lot of ways feels like the logical next step for me. And I'm grateful that I have a new job that doesn't feel like I'm doing more of the same. It's a new challenge. It's a completely new job. And it feels like shifting from playing six roles in a very much an ensemble show to doing this massive show at Lincoln Center, you know, where I'm understudying one of the three leads. It feels like really gratifying work. So you've gone back to back with these two big Broadway productions. Congratulations. Before that, obviously working regionally and all of that, what's life like in between jobs and waiting, waiting for the next quote big job to come? And how have you grappled with that in the past? And how do you feel like that's changed over the course of, you know, you've been out of school for six, seven years now? How has that changed over time? That's a great question. I think earlier in my career, I didn't necessarily think about the in-between as much. I would sort of just be hoping that it would work out. And when I was on contract, just being so happy that I was on contract, not thinking about what it would be like coming back. So I think just managing my finances better probably would have been more helpful. And I was never like, I was never in a horrible place, but I certainly do remember having times where I would be back in the city and just be like, man, if I had just been smarter about that and saved enough to get me through however many months. So I had that security would have been smarter, but I didn't think about those things. I was just so thrilled to be, you know, going from theater to theater, but then coming back to New York, it was a weird mix of being so happy to be back because I genuinely love living in New York. I really, really do. But then also being faced with those hard times of, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do for money? How am I going to find a job that I'm okay to leave if I have to leave, you know, at the drop of a hat? I don't, I don't know what that looks like. And so, you know, that's where you start finding survival jobs like some restaurants where you build a really good relationship, which I was lucky enough to find. I found a Japanese restaurant that was in my neighborhood and the owners were all artists of some sort in the past. And so they were, and you know, from Japan. So that was wonderful for me because I felt like I had a home away from home and just people who really genuinely wanted the best for me and wanted me to be happy. And so when I had to leave, it wasn't so much a you know, how dare you leave? It was more of a, that's great. That's awesome. And when you come back, we'll be waiting for you. And finding those sorts of spots, I think are crucial when you're looking for survival work and never having to feel like you have to apologize to go and do what you love was something that was really important for me. And if I ever felt like someone would be mad at me at my survival job for leaving, then for me, that just wasn't it. That, that wasn't ever going to be good for 
either side. So it was a lot of that, just the in-between months were figuring out what that looked like, where that place was for me. And I was lucky enough to find it a few years ago, I think 20, 2019, I started working at this restaurant and that pretty much carried me the whole time until I started this tech startup job randomly. <laughs> I love that. I also love that if the restaurant that you found had owners that were also artists, because I'm imagining then not only were they supportive of you leaving, they were supportive in a positive way when you were coming back because they would understand that this is just how this business works. You come in and out of these survival jobs. There's no shame in that at all. It's just the nature of the business is up and down, in and out, on and off. And that's really great. Right. And the toughest, the toughest part of that was I was still working there when I booked into the woods And I was supposed to be covering a lot of people over the course of the next two months because people were going on summer vacations and such. Mm. And so I had to walk in that Thursday night when I found out and say, hey, I have to quit immediately. Like I have to, I'm starting rehearsals on Monday. And so that sent the owners into a huge panic, which I still feel Mm. really guilty about. But, you know, I had a conversation with him later and he was like, at the end of the day, like none of that matters. You're doing what you've always wanted to do we're happy for you. And, you know, I was just stressed in the moment. And I was like, yeah, I get yeah. that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, that's so yeah. lovely that, that mm-hmm. he understood all of that mm-hmm. and that you understood that. Yes. And at the same time, I know I'm putting you in a tricky position, but that it's so great when everybody still understands all of what's going on and supports mm-hmm. it. I think that's so lovely. Yeah. Should we lead into our lightning round? Well, in the spirit of James Lipton and the actor studio, I don't know if you ever were a fan, but I'm a big fan. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he always asked a series of questions at the end. So we have our own set of questions to ask you. I'm nervous. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. What fuels you? Oh, my goodness. What fuels me? Community. Community. Oh, that's lovely. And what drains you? Unnecessary stress that I put on myself. Mm, I hear that. Mm. What profession other than your own might you like to do? Something in forensics. Oh, or a chef. I don't know. One of the two. <laughs> I love that. You know, those, I want to solve murders. I love that. What is your favorite form of self care? Going to a restaurant, having a really good meal. Hey, man, I feel the exact same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that leads me directly into my next question. What is your favorite comfort food? Probably Japanese food. Feels like home. But which? Udon noodles. Mm, yeah. Love it. All right. For this one, you may have to come up with a rhyming word because we do have underage listeners. So we're going to keep it okay. PG. What is your favorite curse word? And maybe you can find a word that rhymes with it. Duck. (laughs) I enjoy that as well. What are you grateful for? Just this crazy life that I'm living right now. I can't even believe I live this life. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) I love that. And last question. If you could share one more thought before we sign off, what would it be? Especially to the... BVC students, and I guess like anyone listening who wants to pursue a career in this field, just to have faith in your own individualism and 
really just remembering that you're special the way you are and you don't have to fit into any sort of anything that's been done before and somehow that's going to work out for you if you just trust in the ways that you are special. Mm, that's very wise words. I love that thought. I love ending with that thought. Delphi, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was so much fun. Delphi, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find you online? I'm on Instagram at Delphi Borich. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> and is Understudies in the Woods, is that continuing on? Yes. Yes. I passed it on to one of the Understudies on the tour. And they've been doing a great job running it. And so, yeah, at Understudies of the Woods, if you want to follow along with all the tour antics, I highly recommend it. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. Thank you so much, Delphi. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a screenshot, tag us on Instagram at BWA Vocal Coach, share this episode with a friend, and consider leaving us a review. And if you're ready to take your next step in this industry, but aren't entirely sure what that should be, then take our quiz. We'll strategize with you to outline a roadmap to your unique goals. Plus, from there, you can book a free consult with us. Visit bwayvocalcoach.com backslash take the quiz. We can't wait to hear your story and help you take the next step in your career. Thanks for listening. Thank you.